0: Good morning, morning. happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the house this morning, really glad you came to join us this morning. Uh, We're going to start by handing out some gifts to all the fathers, so if you're a father or a spiritual father, could you stand up? We just want to recognize you this morning. Uh, For those down the aisles, we're going to pass out some Father's Day gifts to you. Only one for you, Bob. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after you get yours, you can go ahead and Okay, um, actually, can you remain standing, even if you got your your gift card? I just wanted to pray a prayer blessing over you, so I wanted you to kind of stand. If you have a dad or spiritual dad next to you, maybe you can kind of just reach out to them, and uh, we're going to kind of pray over them. So, Lord, this morning, we want to recognize all the fathers, because you're a father, and you know what it means to be a father, so we pray for all the fathers and the spiritual dads that are standing up here this morning. We want to pray that your Holy Spirit would just come and to bless them this day. We know what's in the heart of every father this morning. We know what they want. They want nothing. They want to do absolutely nothing today, Lord, and we recognize that. But as they're doing nothing today, I pray that you would pour into them. I pray that you would bless them as they rest physically, as they rest mentally, as they rest emotionally, fill up their heart, Lord. Fill up their heart, fill up their spirit. Fill up them with everything that they need to carry what they'd carry, all the weight of responsibility, all the things that they have on their shoulders, of whether it's work or with home or with kids or all the things that they carry on their shoulders, all of the problems that they try to face and all the things that they try to solve, all the weight of those things, I pray that you would lift that today. I pray that in replace of those things that you would pour out your spirit on them and empower them and fill them to be the men that you called and created them to be. So Lord, I pray for all the dads that they would be encouraged this morning they be encouraged this day, this Father's Day, that their Father in Heaven sees them and knows them and wants to fill them and empower them this day. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you as our Father. We want to recognize you today. And we pray for all those that are standing here this morning. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 <laughs> Yeah, so this morning we wanted to recognize all the fathers, and, uh, you know, it's interesting when we look look throughout the Bible uh, that God refers to himself as a father, and we see the significance that God and the Bible places on the role of fathers. Let's look at a passage this morning in Exodus uh, that kind of emphasizes this. Exodus chapter 3, verse 15. I have it up on the screen as well. God is speaking to Moses, and he says to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Look at how God identifies himself. Look at how he names himself, and this is what he says. This is going to be my name, and how you're supposed to identify me. How are you supposed to identify me? Father. You're supposed to identify, identify me as a father. But not just that. What do we see here in Exodus 3.15? Not only is he a father, but he's the father, God of the fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So we see a couple things here. One is that we see God identifying himself as a father, but also he's a father throughout the generations. That the things that God is doing and the way he's identifying himself is being passed on from one father to the next father to the next father. We have Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob. We see things being passed on through the generations through the father's. And this is how he identifies himself. He's not just the God of Israel. He's not just the God of all humanity. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Twelve different times he refers to himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Forty-five other times he refers to himself as God of one of those patriarchs. God is wanting to establish and wanting to point out That he is not just a father, but he is a father amongst other fathers. And that the things that he wants to do is not just for you, but is along the generations, from one father to the next father to the next father. When we see what God is establishing here, we see that there's a pattern that's happening. That the things that are happening in the lives of families through the father has an impact not just on you, but upon generations. Generations. It's interesting, I was, um, this was like several years ago, I was spending some time with the Lord and I was praying. And then all of a sudden he started speaking to me about kind of my spiritual heritage. And uh, I've shared my testimony in the past how I grew up at church, but I don't think that I was really considering myself a Christian, all the way until I was in college. And then in college, uh, I went to UC Irvine And when I went to school on my own, for the first time I was on my own, it was interesting because I started to go to all these different Christian clubs. So, you know, like when you first have orientation, they have like all those tables, and you go visit the different tables of what they have at at the school. And I went to go visit all the Christian clubs on these different tables. And like I said, I don't really think, when I look back, that I was a Christian at the time. But my parents always instilled in me to go to church. And so when I'm on my own, and I'm not a Christian, but somehow I'm drawn to all the Christian clubs. And so I would go from one Christian club to another Christian club on on campus. And then I would go to a church and go to another church. And then my pattern was always the same. I would go to one place until they started recognizing me, and they wanted me to get involved. (laughs) And then I go to another place. Right, And that was my pattern. I would just jump from one Christian club to another one or one church to another one. But what's really interesting to me is no one was telling me to do that. No one was there telling me I had to go to church. No one was there telling me I had to go to this Christian club or be involved in these different things on campuses. No one was telling me that. But something was instilled in me. Even though that I hadn't made a decision for Christ yet, something was instilled in me by my father. This constant impression about continuing to be faithful and continuing to go to church. Um, I, I was thinking about that and thinking about, even after I left the house, how that really impacted me. And then God started showing me something else that really, it was not just from my father, but it was from my grandfather, my father's father, that really the spiritual legacy that he was calling me towards. And uh, I've shared about my grandfather in the past, but my grandfather was uh, basically a genius. You know, he was a professor in Korea. He was a professor of chemistry. He wrote the textbook that they used at the university. I actually uh, met a family family member, and he was talking about how uh, he was at that same university, and everybody knows my grandfather. And so my grandfather, it's interesting, because he uh, became a Christian early on, uh, after the Korean War, and he raised my, uh, all, my dad and all my aunts, you know, in the faith. And is, he, he would go around and he would um, go to Europe and these different places to do research and to lecture. And whenever he was there, he tried to learn the language. So he actually knew about four or five different languages. So he knew Korean, he knew English, he knew German, he knew Spanish, and the way he would learn the language was always the same. He would go, he would get a Korean Bible, and then he'd get a, another Bible of the, of the language that he was trying to learn, and then he'd go verse by verse. He would look at the, the verse in Korean, and then he would look at the verse in English. He would look at the verse in Korean, he'd look at the verse in German. He'd look at the verse in Korean, he'd look at the verse in Spanish. This is how he learned four or five different languages. This is the kind of legacy that my grandfather kind of instilled in my dad and in my aunts, and they're all, they were all following the Lord. And I see how that was passed on from my grandfather to my father, to me. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, my grandfather, my father, and to me. I think we need to see the importance that God is instilling upon us as fathers and the things that we can carry from one generation to the next you know when we look at things being passed on from one generation to next uh, we are already familiar with this we see that that happens with physical traits like you know we have a dad that's really tall then their kids get some height if we have some dads that are short unfortunately that gets passed on too to our kids as well we see it with physical traits, whether it's hair or eye color. We see it with other kind of tendencies. We see it with like uh, different personality traits. And Susan and I always joke about different personality traits we see in the kids, like, oh, that, one, that one's from you. <laughs> you know, that good one? Oh, no, no, that, that's from me, <laughs> right? We joke about those kind of things, but we see, we already have a familiarity how those things get passed on from one generation into our kids. But what's true physically is also true spiritually. You know, look at this passage in Exodus 20. It's actually part of the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20, verse 5 says, You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. It's interesting, when we look at this passage, it's not just the sin from one generation, but it gets transmuted, it gets passed on from generation generation. And when we look at this, we can see the positive side, but here we see the negative side too. That the negative things that we're sowing into also get passed on to our kids. And to me, that just makes me really feel like the weightiness of it. And when I think about things that are passed on to me, and uh, I think about my father and the way that my father raised me, I'm just kind of cautious, and I feel like I want to break the cycle. You know, have you heard of that term of breaking the cycle? You want to break the cycle of things that have happened in your family line, in your family history, about breaking the cycle. And I think that there is some value to that in recognizing those things getting passed on and try to break it. But I want to give a different perspective on that this morning. And I think that when we look at things being passed on like this in this passage, or we think about our own upbringing, and we think about the things that we experienced from our fathers and some good and some bad. I think oftentimes it's really easy to look at the negative side. It's really to look at the things that you lacked and a lot of times we as parents react to that. All the negative things we experience, we try to do the complete opposite. You know, I think that's why we have these helicopter parents because they grew up with a generation of parents who were just working all the time and weren't going through their activities, weren't being involved, and so we do the opposite. We're gonna be involved in every single thing and not miss one single opportunity to be there for our kids. And not that that's bad, but we see it's a reaction to the negative things that we experience. And it's very easy to focus in on what we lacked, what bad experiences we have. We say things like, and I've said it to myself, and I feel like the Lord's wanting me to address things like this today is, I'm never going to be like my dad. I've said that. you know. I've said that out loud. I've said that in my thoughts. I said, I'm never going to be like my dad. And I feel like the Lord telling me, you need to repent of that. You need to repent of that. And I need to repent of that. And I think all of us need to repent from that type of thinking because there's a certain mindset that births that kind of thinking, which is, When I look back, I just see the negative. When I look back, I want to break the cycle. When I look back, I want to do things differently. When I look back, I try to react and do the opposite. When really God is saying, there's something good that I was doing. Even in the worst cases, there's something good that I was doing. And I think that this is a new mindset that we need to have because when God looks at things, he doesn't focus in on the negative. Did you know that? When God looks at your situation, when he looks at your life, when he looks at what's happening in your life, he doesn't focus on the negative. He's not overcome by the negative. He's not drawn by the negative. He's not focused on the negative. And that's so opposite of seem like our human nature. They have that statistic, and I was looking up, and there's a wide variety of the, the actual stats, but they'd say that for every negative comment, you need five to ten positive comments to overcome it. Because we're so focused and give so much attention and so much power to the negative, the power has no, the positive has no power in our life. So much so that if you get like all of these great reviews, all of these and one negative review, what do you focus on? The negative. You focus in on the negative. And we give power to the negative. And So when we look back at our childhood or we look back at things that are happening, what do we focus in on? What gets highlighted to us is the negative. It's very easy to have a, to make a list of like all the things that was lacking, all the things that didn't happen, all the bad things. And what are all the good things? Hey, I don't know. I have to kind of think about that. But when you look at the Bible and you look at the way God perceives things, this is the perspective you're supposed to have. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Where should our focus be as Christians? Where should our focus be as believers? On the positive I believe that God tells us this is our supposed great perspective because that's his perspective. He's not overcome by evil. You overcome evil by good. This is the heart of God that even when he sees negative things happen, he redeems it. That's the whole thing behind uh, Romans 8.28, that God causes all things to work together for those that are good. So how many know if God causes all things to work together for those that are that love him, That if things are not good, that it's not the end. How many know if God is causing all things to work for the good of those who love him, if it's not good, that means it's not the end? Because God's not done yet. Because God doesn't focus in on the negative and feel like that is overwhelming. And that has the power that God redeems. And this is the perspective I really believe that he wants us to focus in on. When we, whether it's we're thinking about our past and things that have happened in our childhood or we're thinking about present, presently things that are happening to us in our life, I feel like we, be, we need to be able to recognize not just the negative things, but what is God doing? What is God doing? We need to take commands like this in Philippians 4.4. 4, seriously. When Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let me ask you, how many know that this is a command? This is a command, right? Thanks, Marilyn. You recognize this is a command? This is a command in the Bible. Let me ask you another question. How many of you take this command seriously? How many of you take this command seriously? You have to do this. You're supposed to do this. God wants you to do this rejoice in the lord and paul knows it's not in our natural tendency so he says i will say it again rejoice because you're going to forget it because you're not going to take it seriously you're not going to focus in on doing this you need to focus in on this this is god's perspective god's in a good mood all the time he's rejoicing all of the time what does he want for his children He wants us to rejoice all the time. Right after this passage, we have the passage that people quote a lot, which is, do not be anxious about anything. How many of I tell you, if we're doing this, you don't need the second half. If we're doing this, you don't need the second half. And the Lord kept speaking to me over and over about having this change of perspective because I'm not recognizing what he's doing. I'm not recognizing the good things because they're getting overshadowed by the negative, because they're getting overcome by the negative, because they're getting occluded and you can't even see the positive things the Lord doing because you keep focusing on all the negative things. And the Lord started speaking to me there and saying, "You need to change and you need to take this command seriously. You need to rejoice." And so I've been focusing on that every day. Lord, I'm going to rejoice. Even when things are hard, I am going to rejoice. Even if it's just me declaring it out of my mouth and I'm not feeling it in my heart, I will rejoice. I'm going to make that choice. And even when things are going bad and my wife's not feeling well and my, my children are, are doing things that I would rather them not do and kind of get discouraged by where they are in their life, the Lord's telling me, are you going to rejoice? Are you going to rejoice in this? Are you going to focus on the negative? Are you going to focus in on what the uh, the world is doing or what sin is doing or what the enemy is doing? Are you going to focus in on what I'm doing? And so I started practicing this. And even when things were hard, I started practicing. like, I need to rejoice. And I tell the Lord, if the only thing I have to rejoice about is you, I'll rejoice in that. If everything else that I can see is only negative, then I'm going to rejoice in you. I'm going to rejoice Can you, and I can always do that. I can always rejoice in you. But how many would know that when you start doing that, more things start coming that you have never seen before? And the Lord just started pointing out all of these different things that are happening in my life. All these things that are happening with Susan or with my son Isaac or with my daughter Eden. I started noticing when I have this change of perspective, rejoicing all the time, I started noticing all of these good things. And I started noticing all of the things that God is doing, and not just focusing on all the things he hasn't done yet. I'm focusing on the things that he has, and I was able to rejoice over those things, and I was able to see those things. And the Lord started speaking to me this thing where um, we need to have a flip of how we approach these different things, because when something negative comes on, we dwell on it for a really, really long time, right? We sit on it, we think about it, we revisit it, we turn it, we, we think about, keep up at night and addressing it and all, even when we're not thinking about it, it's still going on in the back of our mind, right? All the negative things that are going on, it's still happening and running in the background. When something positive happens, what do we do? Oh, that was really great. Then that's it. It's over. And the Lord's saying, can you reverse that? Can you reverse that? Can you have it when something positive comes over? You go over, over, and over, and over, and over. You rejoice over, and over, and over, over. You receive it more, and more, and more, and you recognize and praise God more, and more, and more, and more, and more. And then when something negative happens, oh, something negative happened, and that's it. Can we switch it because that'll match more what the Bible says. That'll match more of the God that we have. That'll match more the faith that we want to have. I'm telling you, we need to have a change of perspective. We need to be able to see what God's doing and receive what he's doing in our life. If we're not seeing it, if we don't have this change of mindset, it'll totally be gone you just focus in on all the difficulties, all the problems, because how many know you don't have to search very hard to find difficulties and problems? That's not a difficult task. If you're looking for it, I guarantee you'll find it all the time. All the time. We need to have a change of perspective. We need to see that God is a redeeming God. God is doing things. Even in the darkest places, God is still working, and we need to see that. I want to say that this morning for all those that are going through a difficult time and a difficult place i pray that you be able to see the lord and to rejoice even this morning if it's only rejoicing in him we need to make the choice to rejoice because he is good so lord i pray that everyone this morning that they would do that that you'd be able to receive that that god would just give you a new mindset and a new perspective so that you'll be able to recognize the things that he's doing. Will you be able to see that in receiving from your father? You know, some of us had good experiences, some of us had bad experiences with father. I pray that the bad things wouldn't overcome, wouldn't overshadow, wouldn't crowd out the things that you want us to receive and the things that we're carrying on. You know, I've done a lot of complaining in the past about my own father, and I think that One of the things the Lord is pointing out to me is I need to have a change of perspective, and so I started praying and asking, Lord, what what did my father carry that you want me to carry? Because I focused a lot of things on the negative side, which is I don't want to carry, I don't want to receive, but the Lord's saying you need to spend more time focusing on what you should receive. And I just started thinking about my God, my dad, and just how Uh, consistent he was and faithful he was and i just looked at on the negative side is like he's just so stubborn he doesn't want to change he doesn't want to be open to anything but god's saying there's something redeeming the way that i made him the one things that i wanted to pass on from generation to generation to generation and you need to receive it you need to receive it you need to receive his steadfastness his hard working his sacrifice his you know, on the negative side, you think he does, can't receive anything and all this. But on the positive side, he's so for our family. He's so for our kids. He has sacrificed so much. Can I receive that? Can I receive that from my father? Can I receive those things that get overshadowed by the negative? Can I receive those things that have been, not, have been uh, hidden? And for the Lord to uncover those things. Things that are just laying there on the side that the Lord wanted me to take in to receive. Can I receive those things? And I pray that this Father's Day, we could receive those things. You know, as fathers, we need to receive those things. Because what we have gets passed on from generation to generation. And so, when we think about that, I think that um, the Lord really wants us even today, to be able to receive. So um, when, I, when I was praying for um, today, it's funny, I was telling Dale this morning that the Lord kind of changed my message, so I, I just changed it about an hour or two ago. But <laughs> I was going to do something else, but I feel like the Lord wanted me to speak something else as we kind of close our time. So I feel like the Lord wants us to raise up the, the men At catalyst and the father's here today and it's not just a catalyst but I feel like God really wants to raise up the fathers in this nation and in this world and I say that because I feel like the opposite has been happening and it's been eroded from year after year after year and the role of the father has been diminished and belittled and uh, marginalized to the point where there's nothing expected from the father anymore and I think that that needs to change Because as we've seen in the Bible, that's the total opposite of the way that God is viewed. Let's look at this passage in John 5. In John 5, verse 19 and 20, look at Jesus and his father. Jesus is speaking and he says, very very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only... He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. Look at the relationship of Jesus and his father. Do you think the father was important to Jesus? Do you think the father played a key role An important role in the life of Jesus I would say so look at what he says he says I can do nothing by myself I can only do what I see my father doing because whatever the father does that's what I'm gonna do I would say the father plays a pretty crucial role in Jesus's life I say that the father plays a very central role in his life I would say the father was everything to Jesus I would say that the Father is of the highest importance, of the highest level, the highest role that you could possibly place in the life of Jesus. That's where the Father would be. I would say that the Father is the central heart of everything he's about. It's the central piece. It's his direction. It's his guidance. It's, it's his it's guiding post. It's everything to him. Is Jesus trying to set up a picture of what it's supposed to be like for fathers? I think he is. Did you know that God and Jesus, they could have set up any kind of relationship. They could have described themselves in any way. It doesn't have to be like this. Why did he choose this? He chose this specifically because this shows something about who he is. It shows about the relationship between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is revealing about who he is. So when we look at this, this is an intentional choice that God makes, that Jesus makes. And I think this flies in the face of what we see. And it's funny because, well, it's not funny, but when I look back in the past and I look at like the way the media presents fathers, and I look at different shows, and you look at like Homer Simpson and you look at Everybody Loves Raymond and all these different shows, and you look at how they depict fathers. They're like bumbling idiots. Right And before, I would laugh at it. It would be funny, and I'd be like, ha! And then God's saying, that's not funny. Look at what it's saying about you. Look at what you're receiving. Look at what you're believing. Are you believing that that's who you are? Are you believing that that's the bar for you down here? Or down here? And I think there's some part of us that feels okay with that. I'm okay with the bar being really low. There's no expectation on me. Nothing's required of me. But what what are we saying about ourselves? What are we saying as us as a father? Do we want that? Is that what we really want? Is that what God calls us to be? I don't think so. I don't think so. Look at these statistics about fatherless generation. And I saw the statistic about how Uh, Currently, right now, we are the most fatherless generation of any generation, except for those of wartime, okay? Except for those of wartime, outside of wartime, we are the most fatherless generation. Look at these statistics. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes, five times the national average. 75% of teens in drug rehab, Fatherless homes, 10 times the national average. 85% of behavioral disorders from fatherless homes, 20 times the national average. 85% of youth in prison from fatherless homes, 20 times the national average. 90% of homelessness and runaway children from fatherless homes, 32 times the national average. And the statistics just go on and on and on fathers matter. Fathers matter. And despite what the media says, despite what culture says, despite what we've come to believe, that's true. You matter. Fathers matter. Fathers are the cornerstone. Fathers represent Father God. Fathers play a crucial place And I think that the Lord wants us all as fathers to raise our bar this morning. Raise our bar, because that's who you really are. This other bar down here, that's not who you are. Your bar is up here. That's where God is. We need to be where God is. God is up here, and that's where he's calling you to be. God's not going to be down here with the low bar. He doesn't call you to that. He's calling you up here. And I know for me, that's hard because I feel like as a father, I fall short. You know, I fall short as a father. And I could blame it on my father and say like, oh, I didn't have a good da 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 all that other stuff. I could do that all day long. But the reality is, I can choose. I can choose. And for me, I feel like for my kids, I need to choose what God wants. And it's to raise the bar for the father's. And so for us as fathers, I pray that this morning that God would raise us up. Wherever you are, whatever you think about in terms of how you've been a father, I pray that God would raise our sights and raise our role and raise our value and honor the fathers here this morning to the place that God puts them in their rightful place. I pray that you could receive that today. As we close our time I, I really wanted us to be able to receive that. And so, I want to invite the worship team to come up. And as they come up, I just... Um, I know I prayed earlier for the fathers, but I want to I pray once again. And when I pray, I really want to focus in on... I think the most important thing, the most important thing for you to be the father that God wants is for you to be a son. The most important thing for you to be the father, the kind of father that God calls us to be, is for you to be a son. You need to be a son. You need to receive from your heavenly father. For all of us that don't have great examples, he's our example. We need to be fathered by our Heavenly Father. And so, Lord, this morning, as we are honoring the fathers in this place, I pray that you would help us first to be a son. Help us to be a son this morning. Help us to receive from you as our father. Help us know that we can be completely dependent upon you, and that's okay. We can say that we don't know what we're doing, and that's okay. We don't have to have all the answers, and that's okay. That we can be nothing, have nothing, bring nothing, carry nothing, and that's okay. That you would come in to receive us, that you would pour out to us, that you would help us to be loved so that we could love our kids and our wives and our families. Help us to receive from you as our Father. So this Father's Day, I pray that you would be a father to the fathers here, that we'd be able to come and to receive from you as a son. Help us to have a renewed commitment to our Father first, so that we can be a father. Help us have a renewed commitment to be connected with you, a renewed commitment to be dedicated to you, to a renewed commitment to be dependent upon you, to a renewed commitment to hear from you, to be close to you, because that's what we need to be the kind of fathers that you want for our families, for our church, for our nation, for our world, that fathers need to be like you. As our Father, we need to be like you. So I pray that you would renew that sense in us. Renew that sense of encouragement this morning for us to be the fathers that you want. Renew our sense of our dedication to be sons first so that we can be the fathers that you call us to be this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thanks so much that you provide everything. You provide everything through your son, Jesus, so that we can have a relationship with the Father. It's for that we can praise and rejoice this morning. We can rejoice in that. So we rejoice in you this morning. We rejoice in the things that you're doing. And help us to receive that. In Jesus' name, amen.